time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test Yo, what up, City Point? Thank you so much for joining us. It is another Sunday, another dope Sunday at the dopest church on the planet. We are about to jump right on into it. It is part two of our sermon series, The Social Gospel. And what we've been doing during this time is just getting us reacclimated to what the gospel is supposed to be all about. It is not simply about our individual relationship with Jesus Christ. But the gospel should animate and motivate us to uh, connect with other people as well as to be responsible um, for uh, the needs and the well-being of other people in our society. Um, God saved us to be in community. And so that's what the series has been about so far. I hope y'all have been enjoying it. We have taken some creative leaps to merge sermon with uh, also documentary uh, to be able to bring the word to you in a way that is different and that in a way that is innovative. So let's bow on a quick word of prayer and then we'll jump right into our scripture today, Luke chapter 10. Lord God, we thank you for giving us a chance to come together. I thank you for a chance to preach your word. Pray that you will speak through me to these, your people, in a way that is impactful to them and in a way that is relevant to them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 10. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10. Uh, beginning at verse 25, I'm going to read a little bit of Bible, uh, but um, y'all be good. Y'all be good. Uh, reading from the NIV, it says uh, uh, in verse 25, and I'm going to read all the way through verse 37. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanting to justify himself, uh, asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Then uh, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away. Uh, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I want to draw attention to uh, what we see earlier uh, in uh, in verse 29, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? That's what the subject that I want to talk about today. Uh, Mr. Rogers had that famous 
line, that famous song and line of the song that he had at the beginning of the show. That, that song that he was singing was, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Would you be my neighbor? You know, oftentimes we think of our neighbor as the person that lives next door, that lives in our neighborhood, in our community. Uh, and in that sense, our neighbor is effectively somebody that is just like us, somebody that sits within our demographic group, somebody that shares the same ethnicity or race as us, uh, somebody that uh, shares the same economic status as us, somebody that shares similar values as us, in some cases, even a similar religious background as us. Our neighbors tend to be effectively mirror images of us. Uh, And in that case, it becomes a bit easy to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, But when we think about our neighbor as the other, right, as our neighbor, as being a part of the expansive uh, global community, global neighborhood, uh, it really lifts the question, are we really loving our neighbors as ourselves? Because you see, our neighbor is not just the one who parks their car in a garage next to ours or who lives in the apartment next to ours, who affords the same rent as us. But our neighbor is also the person who is a part of the least in the society, part of the left out in society, a part of the disenfranchised and disinherited in society. And it is that neighbor that we also need to be loving like ourselves. Uh, When we love all of our neighbors like ourselves, including those that are not in our same neighborhood, we begin to care about the school that, that neighbor's kids go to that we begin to care about whether or not that neighbor had enough food to eat in their refrigerator, no matter where they are on the globe. We begin to care about the air that that neighbor breathes, even though they may be in a different country. Uh, And so we may be getting cheap goods from their country that enables us to go to Walmart and not spend that much money on all the things that we want to buy, but there is a human cost to it if our neighbor on the other side of the globe has to breathe in uh, uh, very uh, dirty air because of the factories polluting in their country to be able to make the goods that we need to have here. When we begin to care about our neighbor and think about our neighbor as a part of the global community, I believe that it changes both our practices and our policies. This idea of being a neighbor is what Jesus gets at here in Luke chapter 10. It is in Luke chapter 10 that we come face to face with this famous story that we now know as the story of the Good Samaritan. In this story of the Good Samaritan, what Jesus is encountered with is a a lawyer, right, who comes to Jesus and asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It seems like it is a genuine question that is being asked, and Jesus gives a genuine answer, says to him, well, you know the you know the law. What what does the law says? He says, well, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength. And the second uh, greatest commandment is just like it. It is to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, well, you know it, so just go and do it and you'll be good. But this person wanting to test Jesus and justify himself raises this important question to Jesus. He says, well, who is my neighbor wanting to justify himself? Jesus able to look through this person 
and see what is really at the core, at the heart of what is wrong here. Jesus puts together this story, this parable that is not a real story, but it is just a story that Jesus puts together to communicate a point. And in this story, what Jesus does is he creates a a few characters to communicate the point that a neighbor is someone that cares for the needs and the well-being of people, even though they may come from a different race, different ethnicity, different circumstances or whatever. And a neighbor is one who sacrifices whatever they have to sacrifice for the good of the other person. And that is what we are missing in our society. That is what we are missing in the Christian church. We're in a political environment where people only want to vote for things that will benefit them. And so if I have to pay an extra $10 in taxes for every thousand or $10,000 I make, then that is a problem to me, even though that extra $10 may be able to lift children out of poverty. We tend to only think about our own needs and not the needs of others. So here in this story, Jesus says there is a certain man that is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he is going down what is known as the dangerous Jericho Road. Uh, It is a winding, meandering road down from Jerusalem to Jericho because of the steep decline between these two places. And so it is really a place that is conducive for ambushing, right? Like robbers can easily just be hiding around the bend or hiding in the bushes and you could not see them as you are coming. And so this place had become known as the Bloody Pass. And so a man falls among thieves that beat them and rob them and leave them for dead. And then the priest comes by. Priest happens to be going down that same road and saw the man. And Jesus says he passed by on the other side. This is likewise a Levite comes by and he sees the man there and he decides to pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, you got to understand the relationship between Jews and Samaritans. It is very hostile. I mean, you can pick any group from any country and talk about the racial division and you will have a picture of the Samaritans and the Jews. They despise each other. There is deep prejudice. There is deep bigotry that is happening here, but it is the Samaritan that sees this man's need and he decides to help him. Dr. King in his uh, I've Been to the Mountaintop speech talks about this uh, incident and he says that the priest and the Levite ask the question. He kind of projects this into the story. He says, the problem is that they ask the question, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? Will I be late for where I'm going? Perhaps the robbers are still around and they may beat me and rob me too. Maybe this person is faking and not really in need and is just setting me up so that I can be robbed. He he says that that the priest and the Levites ask the question, what if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But, But he says it is the Samaritan that flips the question. And does not ask the question, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But rather raises the question, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? And that is what must animate the Christian. That that is what must motivate the Christian. Not what inconveniences can happen to me. Not, Not what can I lose in my money, in my time, in my influence, in my come up. If I am to be about the uplift of the poor, the eradication of oppression, not 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 the question what will happen to me, but what will happen to them if I don't. Jesus raises this question. He turns back to the 
lawyer, and he says to him, which one of the three was the neighbor? He says it was the Samaritan, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus's words to him are go and do likewise. I close this sermon by saying to you that the word that Jesus shared with him is likewise the word to you today. Go and do likewise. People are walking away from the church, from the faith, from Christianity, because they are not seeing us go and do likewise. There is suffering all over the globe. There is suffering in our city. They are not seeing the Christians go and do likewise. That they are seeing Christians care only about uh, 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 so-called moral issues like uh, sexuality and abortion and prayer in schools and, and other things that are part of the moral majority agenda, but they are seeing Christians ignore the weightier matters like justice. They are waiting to see the church go and do likewise. And so I leave you with the words that Jesus shared to that lawyer on that day. Go and do likewise.